Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another edition of TWT FM. Uh, me and Freddie are joined on the brown sofa by the author, Grace Blakely. Thank you very much Blakely for having Blakely. me, guys. I'm loving the brown sofa. It's, it's good, good isn't it? It's great. You're reclining it's kind of on like a bachelor pad type <laughs> scenario, <laughs> little L shape you got going on. This is bachelor pad, but sort of offset by a oh, sort of cro- crocheted blanket, yeah. which is. It works. Juxtaposition. Yeah. I thought it'd be good maybe to warn listeners at the start that Will Strong, uh, director of the Think Tank Autonomy, might jump in on this conversation. Might come at any moment. At any minute, but we'll work out that. Yeah, don't relax to too much because <laughs> Will could be here any minute. Sweeping in between delivering us a four day week. Yes. I know, yeah. All his that's other great. Activities. That's great that that's going to happen. I know, it's amazing. How are you going to use your extra day of weekend? <laughs> that's a really good question. I don't know. Well, you're well, not really used to having any time. Like I think I'll probably just use it to do what I already do <laughs> every day of the week, right. regardless, which is at the moment book tour. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> write or speak at things. Well, that's a great segue <laughs> to lead us on to the book. Yes, so by the way, I wrote a book. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's have the plug for the book. God, why so, the one sentence? I actually had a message from a friend of mine uh, back in London today. He said he just finished it and it was amazing. Oh, and he was that's like, make great. sure you tell Grace the book is awesome. Oh, well, thanks well, maybe, to your friend. Maybe a way to intro it would be so the title's stolen. Yeah. How so, to save the world from financialization. Fantastic. So what's been stolen? Who stole it? <laughs> and how much did they get away with? Oh, this is great. Okay, so <laughs> what's been stolen? Um, well, I mean, we live in capitalism. So through the process of exploitation, the wealth that is created by working people as a result of the labor process is stolen in one form or another mm-hmm. by the people who own the stuff. Um, yeah, it's this, annoying that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, surplus value and all that. It is pretty annoying. <laughs> Absolute scam. Anyway, right. Um, okay. But I mean, this book is really about the kind of acceleration of that exploitation through the processes by which um, people's... Uh, so the rate of exploitation has been intensified as corporations have been financialized and uh, unions have kind of been decimated and you've seen a rebalancing of power mm-hmm. in society away from... Uh, labor and towards capital so you've seen yep. wages kind of wage uh, growth steadily decline the profit share rise etc and at the same time uh the kind of financialization of lots of other areas of life that mean that the people who own the stuff are able to extract at various different points right um in the both the kind of production and consumption process so you know for example when you are paying an extortionate amount of rent to a landlord or when yep. you are paying a payday lender uh, a ton of interest um that is a process, well, that's a kind of form of exploitation and theft, I suppose, mm. if you want to think of it that way, that has resulted from uh, the basically accumulation from a, by a tiny number of people of all of society's most important resources and the use of their political and economic power to um, force the logic of their economic model Mm. Um, so, you know, generally capitalism and specifically in the UK since the yeah, 1980s yeah. finance-led growth on the rest of the population. So I have to confess, I haven't actually read the book yet. It's That's on the reading list. absolutely fine. It has only list. been out, I think, a week and a bit. I so promise, it's on no the list pressure. though. So <laughs> do, you, do you go into like a detailed history of how we got to this point? Uh, do you go into some of the solutions moving forward? Is it like a chronological layout? How do you You've go basically it? just got the, the layout oh, of the book there done there. <laughs> so yeah, I, l- I look um, <laughs> yeah, I l- I look in the kind of second chapter um, 
about uh, into the kind of emergence of this model. So I look at the collapse of the social democratic order, the kind of post-war consensus uh, during the 1970s, the crisis that emerges um, effectively from, uh, on the one hand, the uh, role of, of international finance capital and kind of undermining the, the monetary system that existed during that period, the Bretton Woods system. Um, and at the same time, kind of growing tensions and contradictions that existed domestically between uh, labor, um, capital and the state um, under the under the post-war consensus, uh, and look at <laughs> look at how those um, how those kind of exploded uh, in that moment of of crisis in the 1970s, which I kind of see as analogous to the situation that we're in today. Um, so yeah, that kind of decade of, of stagnation that we had from 1970 to um, to 1979, uh, that was that moment where you know the old model, social democratic order, mm -hmm. had broken down, um, and the new had yet to be born. Um, and uh, the ideas that kind of came out during that time and the movements that existed to champion them. Uh, so, you know, the movement around the Montpellier Society, the kind of, uh, I suppose, the monetarist and uh, almost libertarian wing of the, the Tory party gaining power and then using that crisis to institutionalize a new order. Um, and then I talk a little bit about that, how that order develops, look at the financialization of the corporation, of the household, the state, then up to the financial crisis and then say, when the crisis happened, that was the kind of um, the 1971 moment for uh, for finance-led growth. It was the moment where the model started to break down, and we're living in the shadow of that breakdown now. And it's really the role of the left to build power um, and develop a, a program uh, to institutionalize a new model. Mm. Or, you know, well, democratic socialism, really. So there's, there's lots of books that have been written that have tried to like periodize periodize is that the word periodize these sort of stages of history stages of like economic hegemony mm. through like you know the 1930s keynesianism and then the post-war consensus and then the neoliberal period you've got you know books like uh, nick cernick's book on inventing the future and yeah. uh, things like Noam Klein's shock doctrine yeah. and, and paul mason wrote a book recently um about humanism which does the same um and they all try and you know, lay out these different periods that we're going into and and say the post-war crisis has left this new stage uh, that we can now occupy um with you know our new economic policy how hopeful are you that we'll be able to take this period that we're in now this period of crisis like, like you say in the gramscian way that the new is not yet to be born yet how hopeful are you that we're going to be able to fill that with some of the ideas that you set out in the book that's a really good question i think the kind of approach i take that is maybe slightly different to some of those books, to analysing the development um, of really British capitalism over the last kind of 40-ish years, is that the focus is very much on power relations and particularly the balance of power between labour and capital and the state um, and the kind of natural development of contradictions within particular models of capitalism and how those contradictions emerge from the natural tensions that exist between all of those actors and different ways that they're kind of, um, I suppose, elided under different models and then mm. explode when those models break down. Um, so that focus on power is, I think, really important because it implies that it's not necessarily... I mean, that it, ideas are important, partly because ideas are what make us have a sense of our own power mm. but they are not the be all and end all it's not the case that we just come up with a program we go into government we do the program and mm. then we get socialism mm. uh it is a process of you know we are 
at the beginning of a long process of rebalancing power away from capital and towards labor, just as the beginning of Thatcherism was the beginning of a process to rebalance power, you know, the other way around. Um, so, you know, stuff like TWT, right? That's where we're building power. Yeah. Um, that's really, really important. It's also where we're developing ideas and developing a program that empowers us. Yeah. I think any kind of electoral political project, the central aim of that should not be fix capitalism. It should be take power back from the elite and you know redistribute it to working people. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I think that's the kind of the longer term project, and it's really how we should understand our role as both in terms of the role of the movement and yeah. in terms of the role of those in government developing policy yeah yeah so um, so bring it back to twt then yeah tell us how you've been building power what you've been up to good which panels question. have you been on i haven't done that many panels this year which i think is a good thing because i did loads last year um so yeah i mean there's been some really good new exciting voices this year which i, th I think should be the role of twt mm. right like last year i was just kind of starting out on all this stuff like i just started writing the book i hadn't really done that much stuff um and twt was a platform for right. me to start talking about and developing my ideas which is fantastic um and this year i think you're starting to see the same sort of thing like people come up from from the movement and get a platform and and share yeah, ideas yeah, it's really important it's really exciting um but in terms of what i've been doing at the moment i'm i'm on a three-month book tour <laughs> so yeah, i'm yeah. going all around the country are you uh, are you reciting your book summaries in your sleep at this point basically same, yeah same sentences i mean it just kind of comes out at this point <laughs> i can just almost like turn yep. my brain off yeah. and just like go into book mode and it yeah. just comes out <laughs> but um yeah i mean for me like i'm going around clps momentum groups various different places um all around the country and i'm also doing a bit in uh, in the states and in, in parts of europe and the idea is I mean, the, basically, the message of the book, the most important thing that I want to come out of the book um, and the thing that I highlight when I talk about it is that it's supposed to give people a sense of the importance of this historical juncture and a sense of their own power to change history, basically. Um, and the policies are, you know, ideas that are in there. They're not intended as a kind of be-all and end-all. They're intended as a set of radical demands for a movement. Um, We've just uh, we're we just <laughs> being joined by uh, not by Will Strong. I think he looks like he's, he's running. Uh, <laughs> where were we? I think sorry. Where were we? Where were we in the conversation? Um, George Monbiot, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that bit out, right? <laughs> oh, we can keep it. It's funny. Um, what were we saying? Oh yeah, what I'm yeah what I'm doing to build power at the moment. Um, what are you doing to build power what at the moment? We? I liked that question. We that are good. we are interviewing as many people as possible. <laughs> Obviously, we have the big names such as yourself <laughs> on the sofa, but we've also had you know amazing array of activists. You know, from Extinction Rebellion, mm. Labour for a Green New Deal. You know, all of these different policy areas. You know, we've have uh, Will Strong from Autonomy but mm. we also had someone else who's talking about you know urban designing redesigning uh, you know different workspaces public spaces amazing. it's amazing how many different projects there are yeah. going on and TWT brings all of that movement together I mean I think I already mentioned on a previous podcast I arrived on Friday and you walk out the station and there's thousands of kids on the climate march yeah. and you're like this is incredible and all around that TWT has just used that momentum to build amazing uh, you know, uh, panels and workshops and just... You're right, it is so stuff. exciting at the moment. And, like, there's a lot of pessimism when you look to Westminster and you look to kind of electoral pol politics. And, you know, there's pessimism at the moment about the state of the Corbyn project, right? But when I come here, TWT, and I also see 
you know, because obviously there's a lot of crossover between organizing at TWT and organizing within the party and with the momentum, mm. etc. And you see the radical stuff that is being passed that's been developed almost entirely by the grassroots. If you think about like the Abolish Eating campaign, Green yep. New Deal, Four Day Week, all of these things that have come, d demands that have come directly out of the grassroots and they yep. are now being yeah. Im implemented as Labour Party policy and they will be used to hold the leadership to account. I mean, that's an amazing position for the left to be in. Mm, We're yep. passing stuff that's more radical than the Labour Party's passed in decades. Mm. So yeah, I mean, there are reasons to obviously be worried about all the different, and I'm not gonna lie, boring stuff that, you know, colonizes the news around Westminster and, and yeah. uh, political journalism. But if you look at politics more broadly, like we are winning if it mm. wasn't for like if it wasn't for the time constraint imposed by climate change i would be so so optimistic because yep. if we had like you know a decade that's a big one we'd it? be yeah. you know we'd yeah. be taken over by then mm. actually to stick with the climate change climate breakdown you oh sorry yeah, yeah you're <laughs> <new> right <branding. laughs> um subject this is actually something that's reoccurred a few times the sort of uh, we've had different people on saying that the best way to communicate about the climate crisis is to um, try and build consensus around the problem and to uh, just state the sort of physical facts of it. Um, where and that you know, the the guy from Extinction Rebellion was mm. sort of pushing that point of view, uh, compared to some people from the Green New Deal who said, no, you've got to emphasise the fact that there's bad actors there's you know the one percent or whatever and set it up as an antagonism in yeah. that way and it, i think to your book which in some ways is an, a, an account of neoliberalism um and you've chosen to sort of foreground uh it in quite a sort of moral critique you know the word mm. stolen there yeah uh, and uh, you know i think we're reasonably familiar with thinking of neoliberalism as a qualitative change in how sort of societies are run but yeah framing it this way that you know you're framing it as a project of you know you're foregrounding the aspects of it which was directly about sort of taking material resources and taking mm. power away so yeah just to be sort of precise there about the chronology you know what do you think comes first the sort of class project or the sort of ideology that's a really good question. I, I mean... It's a really long question. No, it was, it was great. Yeah, I think they go the hand in hand. Um, I mean, oh, it's a very annoying way of putting it, but they are, exist in a dialectical relationship to one another to an extent that you <laughs> can, you know, abstract <laughs> those two concepts and put You're them You're not the first the person world. to bring the dialectic uh, to the sofa. That, why does that not surprise me? <laughs> um, no, but I mean, uh, yeah, because um, ideology is not just you know, the froth on the surface of power relations. It has um, an impact both in terms of institutions on the way the world actually works, on how, you know, class struggle plays out and also on our own understanding of the world. That's probably the most important uh, important thing. Um, but equally, it is not the be all and end all. And it tends to, yes, emerge, it tends to reinforce, yes, but emerge ultimately from power relations not in a deterministic and linear way mm -hmm. um in yes a dialectic way um but i would purely because liberals tend to overemphasize ideology ideas as the driving force of history um i think we need to 
we need to do the opposite and really right. emphasize i mean just basically restore the common sense of the last several centuries that mm -hmm. um capitalism creates antagonism between different classes and the antagonisms between those different classes are what tend to drive forward history and mm. change you know ideas and ideologies and institutions and yes those ideas and ideologies and institutions also change balance of power between class forces but we are systematically understating the importance of class and we have been since the 80s when we were told mm. that history was over capitalism was one there was no alternative yeah, yeah. um so yeah i mean i place a lot of emphasis on the the power and the politics and building consciousness and developing a movement and say that it is really important for us to develop a policy agenda change institutions um and yeah kind of you know change the yeah, way yeah. that workplaces public services etc all work but we won't be able to do that and it won't be enough if we just do that unless we have a movement that's challenging the micro relations of capitalism and which is i suppose there to act as a defense of um the project and which yeah. will ultimately come to kind of um encompass the project yeah. i guess it's almost like financialization is a little like privatized vat on everything it's like <laughs> yeah that's every a really time good you way buy of something about it. you know you've got to pay the yeah. little like, surcharge to to the rentier yeah. yeah for some reason yeah somehow it's involved in this like <laughs> yeah exactly and this is interesting because this is kind of linked to the keynesian critique of um kind of extractive free market capitalism right that you know the evil rentiers are all bad and they take money away from working people and that's the problem with capitalism mm. um and it makes industry less productive and, da -da -da -da. and i try and steer away from, i mean i do steer away from that in the book by saying that you know yes we are living in a regime where the power of capital as a whole has increased dramatically mm. and the balance of power between domestic capital primarily directed in kind of secondary industry manufacturing industrial capital etc uh, and international financial and monopoly capital yep. has obviously shifted that isn't to say that those two um sections of capital are at odds with one another and we need to get rid of the rentiers in order to save productive capital right mm. it is a question of the development the natural development of a capitalist system where you do get to a point where for a whole host of reasons that i talk about in the book uh to save itself capitalism has to move towards monopoly yep. financial capitalism um and but the reason I focus on that then, um, if the problem is capitalism as a whole and not just like finance-led growth in particular, the reason I focus on it is because the particular ways in which it has developed in the UK, which are both kind of theoretically, um, which have been outlined both in kind of theory and which um, have a particular, I'm not going to use the word hysteristic, <laughs> have a particular, um, I suppose, genesis in British yep. history um that yeah kind of presents a set of strategic openings and opportunities that will allow us to uh develop a as the path of least resistance basically towards sure. democratic socialism and basically a big argument in the book is that at the, you know during a period of financialization it becomes easier to socialize wealth by socializing finance yeah. um basically because of the way that the financial yeah, system yeah. becomes kind of planner of everything in the economy. And maybe a bit of an unfair one because it's another 
fresh book, but um, have you had a chance to look at Anne Pettifor's yes. new mm. book? Yes, I read it. It was fantastic. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was good. I mean, I think like, so Anne and I probably have like different starting points in terms mm-hmm. of a lot of this stuff. But I mean, she is, I think she sees her project as well as basically building power and consciousness yeah. amongst so maybe a grassroots movement. So maybe for the listeners and also for me, because I haven't read it yet. Yeah, but yeah. Um, could you like, I mean, the, so the case of the Green New Deal, it's basically a handbook for people organizing on the ground who will come up against questions, problems, issues when talking about the Green New Deal. And it just systematically um, takes on all the possible critiques of the Green New Deal, says what it would look, mm. what it could potentially look like, um, why we can afford it, yeah. um, why you know we can't not afford it. Like it goes through kind of the economics, stuff that will need to happen internationally to facilitate yes. it, mm. uh, all that sort of stuff. So basically I think it's a really valuable tool um, for activists just yep. to have at hand to be like, oh, well, you think X, right? Well, here in this book, it says, this economist says you're wrong, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's a really valuable tool of political education. Unfortunately, I think we've probably come to the end of our time. That's that fun. was really fun, guys. It was <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. A great, a great plug to the book, Stolen. Yeah. And the byline is, see if I get it right. How to save the world from financialization. Good right. yeah. Have you got any more in the pipeline? Stolen 2? Already had the commission. This time it's I'm personal. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm yeah. like, you know, lots of people are kind of trying to make me. Especially yeah, yeah. people who will make money if I write another one. But <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. Well, we have I don't have think that's us, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and we managed to do a whole interview with Grace without mentioning Lexit once. I'm oh, very, wow, very shit. Proud yeah, of yeah, that's yeah, pretty man. impressive. Wild. And on that note... On that, bomb, on that bombshell. <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> one for another day. <laughs> I think we should probably end the podcast. Grace Blakely, thank you so much for joining us on the World Transform podcast. Thanks for having me.